If you've ever been confused about self-assessment, then today's episode is for you. As we talk about what is self-assessment, who needs to complete self-assessment, and more importantly, what are the deadlines for doing so? And if you're watching this in January, you're leaving it pretty late. What about if your tax affairs are simple? Do you need to use an accountant to file self-assessment? Or could there be another way? And yes, there is another way. And the link to the other way is in the show notes. It's a really nice, simple way to file. And we talk about who it's suitable for during the podcast. We also talk about what you can claim against tax. Can you claim commuting? Can you claim mobile phones? What about those super expensive fees that we pay to the MPS, the MDU and the World Colleges, etc. And we also talk about the deadlines. And like I said, if you're watching this in January and you haven't filed, the deadlines bit is going to be especially relevant for you. So hopefully this clears up some of the mysteries surrounding self-assessment and when tax is paid. And as I say, if you need to file a self-assessment, there's a link in the show notes to a really nice, super simple way to do it. Hope that helps. Let's get into the episode. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So on today's podcast, it is my pleasure to welcome Morag Miller and Anne-Marie from Armstrong Watson Specialist Medical Accountants. Hi. Hi. Hi, Tommy. So we're going to talk about something reasonably straightforward today, although can get complex. But before we do that, just tell the listeners you know, why you're qualified to talk about this topic and how long have you been advising doctors? Thank you. My name is Morag Miller and I am the partner in charge of the specialist medical services team here at Armstrong Watson. I've been involved with the NHS and medical clients for longer than I care to admit, certainly over 25 years. As a firm, we are registered with IASMA, the Association of Independent Specialist Medical Accountants, and we have a significant size portfolio of medical clients working in all disciplines across primary, secondary and tertiary healthcare. So ideally placed really to help medics going forward with their tax requirements. Hi, my name is Anna-Marie Burke and I work with Morag. I've dealt with medical clients for over 30 years doing the tax returns, personal expense claims, partnership returns, etc. And I know a fair bit about what the tax returns for the medical clients concern. Brilliant. I think me and Morag met at a roulette table at the ASMA conference, as far as I recall, but we probably shouldn't talk about that here. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on swiftly from that one. So you mentioned that we're going to be talking about self-assessment today because it's the season being January. But before we do that, should we just talk about the different ways that you can pay tax? Because there's definitely a few. So should we go for that? Absolutely. So... Tax can be paid in numerous ways, and a lot of it depends on your personal circumstance around your employment as to whether you're employed or self-employed. The majority of people working for an employer will pay tax via PAYE, which is pay as you earn. So tax is deducted from their pay and then they receive the net amount. And then the organization's responsibility for handling over the tax paid to HMRC. If you're self-employed or you have self-employed income in addition to employment, you generally speaking would have to submit a self-assessment tax return. When you do that, it could be the case that you actually need to pay tax on account. And if you do, you're paying it in January and July of the year January before the year starts, July in year, and then you have a balancing payment at the end of the year in the following January or a repayment, which is obviously nice to see. There are other forms of tax as well. 
generally speaking, they would get reported on your self-assessment tax return with the exception of inheritance tax, which we're not going to cover off today, or corporation tax if you do actually have a limited company and you're providing private medical services through that. Awesome. Yeah. And so you mentioned the way that you pay tax with self-assessment there, if you're self-employed, and sometimes that gets people a bit confused. And now the way you said it was really simple, but basically what you're saying is I find sometimes the payment on account gets people confused. So let's just do it for this tax year. So if I have, if I file in January for 2021, 22 tax year, can you just break down the payments? Because this confuses a lot of people and it probably shouldn't, but I've seen a lot of, especially locum GPs who pay no tax for 18 months and then get like a telephone number tax bill. And it's a big surprise. So like when, if I earn the money 21, 22, and it's my first ever year being self-employed, when do I pay that tax? If this is your first ever year that you're paying self-employment, then unfortunately you'll end up with a rather large tax bill the first time around. Because you've not been employed before, you've not been registered for self-employment, there's no payments on account. Your first tax bill will actually be the whole of your tax for 21-22, which is the fiscal year ends on the 5th of April 22. The tax will be payable by the 31st of January 23. However, not only are you paying tax for 21-22, HMRC will also want you to pay a payment on account for 22-23. And that is calculated at 50% of your 21-22 tax bill. So on the 31st of January, you've got your 21-22 tax bill and then you've got a further 50% for your next year's tax bill and then next year the second payment on account will be payable on, by the 31st of July 23. So you've got your pay, paying 18 months tax in one go if you're a newly self-employed locum. Yeah really good to clarify yeah. that. The only point I'd put in there is in that first period of self-employment you might only have six months income so the payments for the following year, payments on account are only based on six months income, whereas the full year will be for 12 months income. So you've got to be aware that you could have an increased payment at the end of that year for the 2024, the January 24, and then the payments on account would be larger as well. So if it is a full year that you earn in the first year, then it's fine going along. But if it's only six months, you've got to be aware that your income in the following year will be double. So the tax liability will be a hell of a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So. It's a good point. Really good point. And accountants hate back of envelope calculations. Doctors hate back of envelope calculations. But do you have a back of envelope amount that you advise your self-employed clients to set aside for tax? You know, do you say to them, keep 30, 40% back or what or not? It depends on their income. You know, they'll say to us, I'm estimating that I'm going to earn this. And then we can give them advice on what we think that they should put aside. But what we generally do tell them is if they get their information in earlier, as soon as the year ends over, then we can get the tax return done, the liability sorted, and then they've probably got about six months to budget for the payment if they haven't saved enough putting aside the tax. Many of your doctor's clients do that, get their information to you by the year end? Not as well, many as we'd 50, like. 50-50, but <laughs> yeah, we do have the regulars. <laughs> yeah, okay, so that's how it works in an ideal world. That is a great reason to file your stuff early because then you know your liability way ahead of time. But I'm guessing if you're listening to this in January, you're probably in the leaving it late camp. So for the leaving it late camp, 
The first thing that you need to do if it's the first time you filed is get a UTR. What is it? How do I get one? What does it do? A UTR is a unique tax reference and it is specific to each individual. So basically it's the code HMRC has to identify who the individual is. And you can get that. There are several ways. You can apply online through the government website or you can set up a personal tax account. And one thing we've just identified new with setting up a personal tax account through HMRC Government Gateway is that they will actually give you the UTR almost instantaneously as you're doing the personal tax account. In the past, you've actually had to wait a few weeks for it. So it means it's not going to hold up the whole process of getting that return in before the 31st of January deadline. Yeah, that's awesome. I really like what HMRC are doing a personal tax account. It's getting better all the time and probably showing my age here, but I remember when my UTR came, it came in the post and then I promptly lost it and I had to get another one. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. They are becoming slicker, which is a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So that's what the UTR is. I mean, how do you know or who needs to submit a tax return to HMRC? I mean, there's a whole list of reasons, but give us some like other headline reasons why you might need to do it. Certainly if your income's more than £100,000 and HMRC will write to you if they have evidence that you will need to complete a return. There's also if you earn more than 50000 and you're in receipt of child benefit. And then there's rental income if it's more than the £1,000 property allowance. And next year, the dividends allowance will go down to £1,000. So it'll be if it's more than £1,000 in the 23-24 year. But at the moment, it is 2000 still. So you've still got a bit of time up to April 23 to get the 2000 dividend. Yeah, and any self-employment income as well above £1,000. Any income that you've earned, not necessarily through medical services, just anything else. If you have self-employed income above £1,000, that will require a self-assessment tax return. And if you want to claim the expenses. Yeah, I'm glad that you talked about that because we have a lot of doctors who use our free guide to claim Mm. back the expenses. It's very helpful, so we're told. Lots of doctors use it. One problem we have is, as you guys know, if you need to claim over £2,500 of expenses in any one year, at that point, then HMRC make you file self-assessment. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Okay, and I'm excited to talk about a solution to that problem, which we're really excited about, and we'll get to that bit in a moment. If you're in one of those categories that needs to do self-assessment, what are your options broadly of how to do it? Right, you can either do it yourself by going online through the government gateway, You can ask an accountant to do it. And I would recommend if you're going down the accountant route, you use a specialist medical accountant who has the knowledge that can really ensure you're optimizing your income and paying the correct tax, but the minimal amount of tax. And then finally, we have a fantastic new solution that we've just developed called Tax for Doctors, which is a halfway house, really, enabling you to do your tax return yourself but with the supported guidance and a tailored package towards medics to walk you through the process, it really takes away the hundreds of questions that you require to answer should you decide to do it completely yourself. Yeah, and like I said, we're really excited about this because for too long it was either do it yourself or use an accountant. And there's this whole group of people that 
don't have super complex affairs, maybe just looking to claim over two and a half thousand pounds of expenses in one year and no other reasons to self-assessment. And that's where your solution is really exciting. So let's break it down then. Who needs to go like full accountant mode? Who could do it themselves? And who should use tax for doctors? Can we break it down like that? We certainly can. Anybody can do it themselves. Okay. That is the bottom line. Anybody can use an accountant, but really you need to be looking at an accountant. If your income over a hundred thousand pounds, if it's complex, if you've got multiple streams of income, if you've got lots of expenses and you're not sure what you can claim and what you can't claim, that is where a specialist medical accountant will come into their own and literally take you through and guide you through everything you need to know. And I always say when you're submitting information, if in doubt, include everything because we will tell you what you can and can't have but if you don't put it on a form to let us know what you've paid we can't tell you you can have it the next solution really is as you talked about it's the middleman the one who has income under ninety thousand pounds who has maybe expenses in excess of two and a half thousand maybe a small amount of self-employed income primarily employed income then tax for doctors is really going to hit the sweet spot as far as they're concerned because this tool will let and it will walk them through their tax return from start to finish including actually setting up or getting your uti and it'll take you all the way through there is a cost to the actual package it's 235 pound which includes vat but you don't actually pay that until you're about to submit your return. So you get a 30-day free trial. You can submit your data. There's a help facility. If you've got any questions you're not sure of the answer to, you can use the help facility. And then ultimately, you can submit your tax return and everything can be done very swift. You must be UK resident. You must have income from the UK. Overseas income would be classed as complicated and that would require an accountant. And that's about it really. So I guess the key thing is income under 90,000, primarily an employment through the NHS, a small amount of self-employment that can be easily handled and dividends can be easily handled. There's also the, you know, the drop down boxes with a number of examples to help anyone that is using the Bespoke Tax for Doctors app. Yeah, no, I mean, when I saw this, we always felt that there was a third way. I think they call it like the advice gap in financial advice, which is you don't need full financial advice, but you can't do it yourself. And then you're just in this middle ground where you're not really sure what to do and you can't really help yourself and you might make a mistake. And that's why I love the service. And the link for that is in the show notes. So check that out. So yeah, I think it's, it's already proven really popular. And also if somebody starts off doing that and then they get in over their head and they can't, do it and they press the help button presumably that just comes straight through to you guys to then convert to full accountant service right yeah there's a link if they're sort of doing it and realize it's all a bit too complex there's a link to armstrong watson to the healthcare team and they can come straight through to us and then we can take over and we'll obviously have to engage them as a client with this tool because we're not actively providing bespoke advice we don't need to engage the individual so it's a very literally one stop for everything service whereas if they do come to us we would need to engage them as a client but that can be done in 24 hours so it's all very quick but I guess one of the things that is really good about the tool is when you come to expenses and gift aid I bet a lot of people don't really think that if they're members of the National Trust they can actually get a tax benefit for that if they're a member of the Royal Horticultural Society they can get a tax benefit RNLI all these different which I know that a lot of medics actually do support and churches as well as another you know if you're giving money to churches if that church is a registered charity then you can actually get tax relief on those payments yeah yeah and that's super important for various reasons not least of which if you are skirting around that 90 100 grand limit adjusted net income 
under 100. Yeah, it extends the basic rate band. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully podcast listeners are well aware of the benefits of doing that. All right, so we better talk, especially because it's January already, deadlines. Talk to me. The deadline for the 21-22 tax return submission, if you were submitting it on paper, then it'd be 31st of October, which now it's too late. If the deadline for submission online is 31st of January 23. If you had an underpayment of tax and you wanted to code it out, then you did have until the 31st of December to have it collected via your notice of coding. Other than that, if it's late, then there will be penalties that will be charged on the late submissions. Yeah. How do those penalties? I mean, I hope no one ends up in this situation, but <laughs> it is mid-January. so. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. There is a number of people that do end up like that and then they're not aware of it. But Yeah. So what's the penalties looking like? The £100 is as soon as it's late up to a period of three months. And if it is after three months, then they are charged interest on the late payment of tax, which is current rate is 6%. The base rate is 2.5%. However, if the extra tax is not paid after more than 28 days, then there is a 5% surcharge on that. And the surcharge is also charged on the late paid, you know, on the late interest. So it can quite quickly mount up. So it would be best you know, it'd be prudent for everybody to get their affairs in order. What I would say as well is for the, there's quite a lot of junior doctors that are qualifying or have qualified in September and they're not aware that they need to register online for self-assessment, especially if they're earning self-employed income, which is why I said that, you know, if they've only got profits in six months up to the year end then they've got to be careful for the next 12 months because they'll still have higher tax bills. One thing I think is quite important to note as well that the deadline is the 31st of January if you haven't got all the information you can submit an estimated tax return Mm -hmm. and then you have up to 12 months after the 31st of January to submit an actual corrected tax return and that avoids the £100 penalty so if in doubt just submit what you have by, by the 31st of January. And then, as I say, you update it at leisure within a 12-month period and submit the final one before the 31st of January 24. And that is for the 21-22 tax year. I wasn't sure if you were going to mention that, whether it was some kind of whispered accountant tip, because <laughs> Ed told me that. Basically, just get it in and then you can just amend it later. Worst case scenario, yeah. he loves to submit his on the 31st, but then he's an accountant, so he's can leave it that late as long as it's not an ongoing (laughs) condition (laughs) it is for him because i think hmrc would have something to say on that (laughs) yeah okay i get it if you did it every year yeah yeah so definitely try to get it in but worst case you're saying get it in and then amend it submit provisional it saves you 100 pounds because as soon as you if you submit it two minutes after midnight on the 31st of january that's a 100 pound fine in your back pocket yeah yeah absolutely I always like to finish with a nice, easy, simple, straightforward question for you, because I know you like that. What expenses can you offset against your taxable income? An easy question, I think you'll agree. I think the key three words when looking at expenses is wholly, exclusively and necessarily. And if, if you incur an expense 
and those three words are applicable to that expense with regards to your business, whether it's your employment or self-employed work, then it should be an allowable expense. But we can give you some examples. Anna Marie is very good at this. So provide some examples, Anna Marie. The subscriptions, the professional subscriptions that they, they pay and then business use of your mobile, because a lot of people now are working from home or remotely, so they have to use their own mobiles and broadband to deal with the day-to-day running of the business and work. So the business use only. In respect of mileage, there is the mileage, but the proportion of home to base is not allowable. So if the client goes from home to work, that's not allowable. But if he has to go from work to other distances, then that mileage can be claimed. Then there's the medical books, journals, medical equipment that they might incur. Course fees. There's also flat rate expenses. There's medical courses and some travel to the courses, depending on what, but it still has to fall in within the wholly exclusively and necessarily for the business. There is working from home. Now, most of the clients have been using the government allowance of the 312, which is quite good, actually, because we tell our clients for the use of home to be wary of not claiming too much or not defining, you know, one room in the house as being for use of home, as this could then later down the line be classed as a capital gain a possible capital gain, you know, infringement for HMRC on the principal private residence. That's at the point of disposal, actually, yeah. when you sell your home. I love it. We're getting in way deep here, and I want to pick up on that bit. But we're just talking about, are we talking about employed doctors or self-employed doctors here for this? the benefit of this, uh, what you can claim? Well, it's mainly for employed doctors, I'd say, on there, apart from the mileage, unless they're having to travel from different hospitals to different hospitals but they've got one main base yeah yeah so with mileage basically the, what you're saying is ordinary commuting from your home to your normal base unfortunately not, not claimable but if you were going from your house to a base where you just work i don't know once or something then that might be possible to claim and then if you went on a course again that might be possible to claim but in essence the fundamental principle is unfortunately your normal commuting from home to your normal place of work is not going to wash. Is that right? No, because every employee has that. Yeah, that, yeah. you can't claim that, I'm afraid. I mean, yeah, patient visits, home visits, you know, travelling between hospital sites or travelling to a course, that they are allowable. Yeah, okay. But yeah. Okay, cool. And then the other thing you said was business use of the mobiles and broadband. So presumably you would calculate, I use my mobile 10% You have a work. contract. Uh-huh. You'll have a contract for your mobile. You'll have a contract for broadband. And on your mobile, you'll also have, you know, the use, you know, the calls, etc. So you'll get your monthly bills. So if you add the monthly bills together and then work out a proportion that you think that's the business use. I mean, so if your mobile phone's costing you £40 a month and it's 75% business use, £30 can be claimed as an allowable expense. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. All right. Perfect. Anything else that you think we should cover? I mean, that was super useful. The link to the filing self-assessment 
for Tax for Doctors is in the show notes. But anything else or parting words of wisdom from both of you? Get it in on time and plan ahead. Do it early. Don't freak yourself out by giving yourself two weeks to assimilate a whole amount of cash to pay your tax. As Anna said earlier, if we do your tax return as soon after the year end as possible, it gives you months then to actually budget and pay your tax. And the Tax for Doctors tool will help you do that. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So I'll put the link to check out Tax for Doctors in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. I think this was your podcast debut. It certainly is. I didn't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) No one ever does, but I think it was painless. Don't you agree? Are you going to come back, Anna Marie? Because we'd love to have you. She will. Let me answer that for (laughs) She would love to come back. okay brilliant well Lisa Morag is coming back in the future that would be brilliant and thank you so much for your time today really appreciate clearing that up our pleasure very well thanks very much thanks a lot bye